You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. The book of uh, John chapter 11. Hallelujah. I'm going to be reading from verse 38 through to 44. Book of John chapter 11. Uh, it was in February 2019 that in South Africa there was a funeral that hosted a resurrection stunt. They dragged out a man believed to be already dead. And this pastor began to theatrically call out things and begin to draw attention, uh, laying hands on this man in the coffin and he miraculously arose from the dead. The problem was it was all a stunt. And in the passage of Scripture we're about to read, how many know Jesus is a miracle worker? He's not performing a stunt to be on the cover of Time magazine. He's not trying to gain more likes on Facebook. He's not trying to gain more followers on Twitter or Instagram. He is moving because he is moved by compassion for a dear friend that has passed away. I want to look this evening at the transformed life. Because when you and I come in contact with Jesus Christ, how many know He has the power to raise the things that are dead back to life? So I want to preach to you a sermon, A Transformed Life, John chapter 11, verse 38 through 44. The Bible says these words, Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was uh, dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that, it would be, uh, that if you would believe, uh, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you, are always, uh, that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, loosen him and let him go. The transformed life. I want to firstly focus on the state of our existence. Now, how many know that death is so final? And when it comes to something that many of us have little knowledge, little to nothing knowledge of, it's in regards to death. 
Nobody knows it. Nobody can plan for it. Uh, you, ca you can't uh, schedule that in into the calendar. It happens, and many times it catches us by surprise. But it's so final that it causes us to begin to consider every aspect of life. In this passage of Scripture, we find that Lazarus has been dead four days. Now, this is proper dead. This is dead dead. In fact, uh, many believed in the Jewish faith uh, uh, that the third day would be the time of the resurrection, would be uh, the possibility that the, you know, before the spirit left the body, uh, it could have uh, an opportunity to actually come back. He could only just be in a coma or something, uh, 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 you know, rather than totally dead. Uh, and so it's very significant that it's at the fourth day that Jesus is there. There is no hope for this situation except the hope that Jesus would bring. And this highlights the state of our existence. Immediately it's met with a smell. How many know that it's nothing like a good smell that can catch your attention? Years ago, my mom would be so vexed every time she walked into her kitchen because there was an aroma, a disgusting smell that was lingering in her sanctuary. My mom is a very very good cook but nothing it was you know there was just that smell in the kitchen that would throw her off and she would uh, uh, be uh, cleaning her cupboard she would go through every uh, uh, you know uh, th everything making sure whatever the smell was she would get rid of it and eliminate it eventually we found that it was a little mice that had crawled into uh, the cavity of our house uh, it had bitten a, uh, a cable uh, uh, an electric cable and as a result it fried itself so we had fried rat in the house for a for a you know few weeks but it was a smell that caught our attention it was that uh, aroma that immediately caused us to stop everything and it's very interesting at how uh, immediately uh, here is the sister of the man who's passed away uh, and because of an aroma she thinks you know what this doesn't smell right this is not right we shouldn't be uh, uh, stepping into this arena and so immediately we're diverted we're changed uh, changing our mind now, the same can be said about the state of our existence. You can carry a smell. You live a life that begins to stink, reek. And our sinful nature naturally catches, a, a, a has an aroma, it has a smell, a, and nobody's proud of it. I mean, the, we're, we're living in a generation that tries to boast a, of their sinful nature, but the truth is, a, is that sin always carries a smell. Carnality carries a smell. Disobedience carries a smell. And it's amazing at how all you have to do uh, is either be in the shop public uh, arena uh, and you begin to see either a child misbehaving, uh, you see a, a couple fighting, uh, and immediately it has a smell, it has an aroma. There's trouble. There's heartache. What you need to understand 
is that this can be true about our spiritual life. That we're operating and we're, you know, we're thinking, you know what, things are fine, but with our lives is carrying a smell and it's lingering and this is why, this is what you need to understand is this is why Jesus came to this world. He came to be able to bring something new in our lives, to take away the old and bring something new. Uh, immediately, the moment you buy a car that's brand new, you step into that, you, it's got that smell. You go into a house that has been lived in, uh, that people are there, and, and it has a smell. I remember as a young child going to my nonno's house. And it has a smell. <laughs> it's rooms that are there that nobody's living in. There's no life. And you need to understand is that where there is no life, there's always going to be a bad, bad smell. If you're here this evening, you begin to, well, I don't need to read my Bible that often. Well, I don't need to pray or maybe my church life. You know what? I'm be, I just need to kind of put the brakes on these things. You can guarantee it. The moment that life begins to drift away from spiritual areas of your life, it becomes an aroma. And it's this aroma that begins to permeate our lives. And just like a smelly teenager, we think, hey, I'm fine. Everything's fine. What do you mean? You can't smell it. We can. You may think it's all right, you know, showering a can, but oh, you're making it worse. Until Jesus Christ steps into the room. Until Jesus Christ reveals that he can deliver us. From the state of our existence. So let's look secondly at the great challenge. Because the moment that Jesus steps into the scene, he is there to do something. How many know that Jesus doesn't just uh, uh, show up as a guest and, and, and just uh, uh, sit around? In fact, one of the very early miracles that he does was at a wedding. He's invited to a wedding and he's there. He notices that immediately uh, there's not enough wine and so he converts water into wine. This is the first miracle he does. And so the truth is, is that this is his character, his personality, uh, that he is a mover, he's a miracle worker. He is not just going to hear uh, something that's happened in your life uh, and just walk away from it. Many times we have now in, in the Gospels that Jesus uh, had compassion for the multitudes uh, that were following him and thronging him. Uh, he would stop and, and, and make the comment, who touched me? Why? Because uh, his heart was for the lost and he wants to do something uh, in the desperate needs and the desperate lives. But Martha immediately argues with Jesus' tactics. Immediately, Jesus wants to remove things. Immediately, Jesus wants to make things open. He wants to, you know what, we need, a fr we need some fresh air in this room. We need to open up the windows and let some of the old stale smells leave this place. Open the doors. Martha, wait, wait, the smell. 
and we begin to put the brakes. Why? Because the greatest challenge many times in our life is understanding what God's trying to do. Have you ever been in that place? You're in church and God's, you're either maybe, you know, reading your Bible, you're praying, and all of a sudden God begins to deal with you. And you think, why? You want me to give more? You want me to pray more? You want me to lay a hold? What, what, you know, what's the purpose? And the greatest challenge is always trying to understand what God's trying to do. Don't let your thinking, your understanding limit what God's trying to do. Don't try to, you know what, I, I'm, let's just block everything. Let's just keep things, uh, uh, you know, shut and clear. It's done. It's dead. It's over. God says, you know what, I've got a miracle for your life. I wonder this evening. And people here, where you've shut the door on something. You know what, I don't think I'll ever break away from this. And so I'm just going to close the door there whether it be with finances, whether it be with relationships, whether it be with breakthrough in your own personal life, don't be too quick to shut the door. Don't be too quick to say, you know what, it's no use. Someone that you've maybe prayed for, someone that you've maybe contended for, breakthrough in your own personal life and healing. Because it always comes back to the great challenge. Let me just say this. You're not always going to understand what God's trying to do. And in impossible scenarios, when obeying a God that moves in the impossible, anything's possible. There's a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament where God begins to demonstrate his power to a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. And God brings Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. And in this valley of dry bones, there would have been a great dis disaster. Many lives had been lost. Many lives had been uh, 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 stopped at that very battle. Uh, and while he's there, uh, God begins to uh, uh, challenge Ezekiel in regards to uh, what is happening. Because Ezekiel, all he sees is dead bones. They're so dead, they're dry. It's impossible for this to ever come, come of good, for, for any of it to uh, begin to uh, uh, resemble some sort of life. Even if you were to dress them up, you would still know that these are dead bones. God begins to provoke his faith. Son of man, can these bones live? And I think there, you know, many times we're kind of like, God, I don't know. Can they? Can dead things come back to life? Can things that we've given up on and lost all hope in, can there be any hope? And the truth, many times we throw things into the not sure box. I'm uncertain. And for me to even try to guess, it would just be insane. But yet the truth is, is that God is trying to provoke our faith. Why not believe for the impossible to happen in our lives? Why not believe that 
things that we had given up on could come back to life. The marriages that many times we thought, you know what, uh, my marriage is so dead, it is dried up uh, in a valley so low. And yet God could have you, could be saying to you this very evening, can these bones live? Can love be restored again? Families that have been severed because of uh, misunderstandings, miscommunications, brothers and sisters you've never spoken to uh, in years, God would say to you, uh, can these bones live? Why? Because as a Christian, it's always a challenge to be faced with the reality of uh, God. You're an impossible. You, you can work the impossible. Uh, you can do the supernatural. For me to rationally think about a valley of dry bones, it's just move away. It's not even worth attempting it. But see, God is interested in provoking our faith. Our greatest challenge in life we face many times is to continue to believe that Jesus will do what he said he will do. When he was sent, went back to our text, when Jesus was sent, said, the one you love, Lazarus, is very sick. He needs a miracle. One day, two days, three days, four days. You're waiting, nothing happens. But he said he was going to come. It was very easy to believe for a miracle on the first and second day. God's on his way. Oh, he's going to do something. Very easy to believe. We encroach on the third day. Okay, I'm losing a little bit of hope and faith, but you know what? He said it. Four days, okay, it's over, forget it. <laughs> Always as a joke, you know, if I text a friend and they don't text me back, I'll just text them, why do you hate me? I didn't text for five minutes. I'm sorry. Like, you know, quickly then. But we don't like to be told to wait. We don't like to be told, well, I'll do it, but just in my time. And faced with this reality where we're thinking, God said He would do it, it's a challenge. But can I say to you, don't lose hope. If God promised it, if God said it, it will come to pass. Don't lose hope. So I want to look thirdly at the resurrected hope. Because what you need to understand is Jesus came to bring life. Life is what he represents. Everything that Jesus involves himself in will involve life and life is where there is a heartbeat and this is why we fight for life irregardless to what many others say uh, you know what as soon as there's a heartbeat as soon as there is something happen signs of life 
It's worth fighting for. Almost as if, even if you were to find a wreckage and there be someone there with just a glimmer of hope, a, a small weak pulse, you would think, okay, we've got to do everything we can to make sure this person survives. That's how God, that's how Jesus operates with you and I. He's involved and He has the power and irregardless to how, you know, you may not understand, how is this going to happen? The truth is, is God takes pride in demonstrating His resurrection power. Matthew twenty-two thirty-one, the Bible says, But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teachings. Immediately, he began to speak life into the ears of those who were hearing. Promises that have been spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have to understand, the Jewish people were, are deeply immersed uh, with the root of their family, their ancestors, the promises that were given to them uh, from centuries, thousands and thousands years ago. And so here Jesus rightfully says, you know what, I am working through and I've not forgotten. The very promise that I gave to my servants many, many Years ago, he is able to resurrect a promise of thousands and thousands of years old and bring it to pass today. That's profound. There is no other God like our God that is able to uh, take something that has many times been forgotten and bring it back to life. This is us involving ourselves. And this is why you would read this book in your best interest. It's in your best interest to lay a hold of this book. Because there are ancient promises that are there that can be resurrected for you tonight. That you can lay hold of and claim and say, God, I need you to move in my circumstances, in my finances, in my marriage, with my children, in my ministry, whatever it may be. You lay a hold and you begin to involve yourself the resurrected hope of Jesus Christ. Again, like I said, you're not going to know everything God does and how he does it. But this is why we're instructed to trust Him. Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 1 Peter 1, 13, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now what does that mean? That means that there's a difference between understanding and revelation. You can know God and you can begin to try to, in your own limited understanding, follow Him. But when you begin to step into the resurrected hope of Jesus Christ, that's a revelation. Because you begin to understand that he, there is nothing that can be withheld from Him. 
There is nothing that is too far gone. In fact, he prides himself in being able to demonstrate his power in those hopeless situations. Romans 14, 9. For to this end Christ died and rose again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. In other words, he said, I am going to be Lord with those who have breath in their lungs, and I am going to be Lord of those who have passed away. Because he has the power. Because there is hope. So the question is, understanding that God is able to do all these things, are you willing to allow him to do what he does best? Think about it. Jesus rocks up to the scene. Where's Lazarus? He's in that tomb. Come forth. But I don't like what's behind there. <laughs> it's all wrapped up and smelly. And it's like, no, 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 trust Jesus. It's amazing at how, you know, a lot of people, they, they hold on to things. They just, the moment you begin to, you know, you know, some things just you need to talk through. Begin to discuss things. Jesus is able to move in the most delicate situations. He's not there to shame you out. He's not there to, to embarrass you and say, look, now Lazarus, <laughs> you, you know, dressed up for the occasion, Lazarus, did you? Immediately, he gets other people involved. Take off his robes, clean him up, get him back into working order. You know what, this is a representation of the church today. That our church, if we are to call ourselves a Christian or Christ-like church, needs to be constantly involving ourselves with the lives of those that Jesus wants to bring back to life. That our involvement is critical. It's crucial for uh, those that are there, they've been in a tomb, they've uh, uh, involved themselves in so many things that we dare not bring back to life. But because Christ did a work in us, He's transformed us, now it's our opportunity to involve ourselves with somebody else. Don't limit what God can do. The next time that you're around an impossible situation. You think, you know what? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This is what it means to live in a transformed life. This is what it means to, you know, expect a miracle. Expect God to move so that you would step into an arena where God will continue to demonstrate His power this is the God that we serve. The Jesus that loves us so much wants to demonstrate resurrected hope in our lives. Allow Him to do what He does best. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments. The presence of God is in this place.